You already lost your wife. Don't lose your best friend too because of your anger. Welcome in to the Bro Four Squad podcast. We're just a bunch of bros drinking beer and watching TV and movies. I am your host, the Mayor Jeff Wanasek. This is episode 143. Thank you guys so much for checking us out. I am joined today for the movie and TV discussion by our legal counsel, Ronnie Cycli. Now, Ronnie, today you get a chance to finally tell the world that Marshall Erickson actually stole the term lawyered from you back when you guys were in law school together. Isn't that correct? Yeah, it's it's absolutely insane because identity theft is not a joke, Jeff. So millions of people suffer every year. And uh, he becomes a corporate bank lawyer. I'm a corporate bank lawyer. I like to sing. Now he likes to sing. It just the similarities are endless, and I I don't like it. It's like get your own life, bro. You know? Yeah, yeah. I'm living mine. You live yours. I think George Costanza has really copied me in a lot of ways. Our physique for the summer of Jeff. <laughs> Independent <laughs> Jeff. There's actually a, a band. This is a bit of a detour, but a band uh, that an old Texas Rangers. Uh, play-by-play announcer started called Independent George. <laughs> That's <laughs> like, fantastic. It's like the coolest band name. Yes. <clears throat> All right. Well, if you have not listened to our show before, we start every episode off with the most important thing in any bro's life, and that is chest day. And as you could probably tell from the title of this episode, we're doing a bit of a remix on a classic segment here for the Bro Four Squad called our Bro v Bro segments, where in the past we've pitted two movies together. And had them compete in the five Bro Four Squad criteria to see which is the better film. Well, today we are going to do that, but with two classic sitcoms in How I Met Your Mother and Seinfeld. Now, uh, Ronnie, before I introduce the five categories, we had talked off pod about how this is an interesting matchup, maybe in terms of similarities or at least the way there's the ways that they're compared. Uh, How I Met Your Mother and Friends would have been a better comparison. But tell the people why we chose to go with Seinfeld over uh, Friends, which, again, many more similarities to the Himian uh, setup. Yeah, it's a combination of uh, we both, I think, find Friends extremely overrated. And I know that that will put a lot of uh, feelings out there because the people who love Friends fucking love Friends and, yeah. and they don't like hearing any ill will to it. Um, I myself have watched the entirety of Friends and um can sit here and tell you that, you know, while it had its moments and I understand what the impact it had on pop culture, it just, it didn't have that connection. Um, and I think it was kind of just like very slapstick type comedy. So um, like you said, it's surface level. It is very similar to how I met your mother in a, a thousand ways. I know there's been a lot of articles written about it. So I think it's been done to death and I think we're going to have something a little more fun comparing two sitcoms that are very different in ways, but also had a lot of, you know, big fan bases. And from my perspective, I just have not seen enough of Friends to accurately compare it. If you want me to compare them, I'll just probably give How I Met Your Mother the point in all five categories. Which <laughs> yeah. It <laughs> wouldn't be a fun conversation if we did How I Met Your Mother versus Friends. It would be a slaughter. Right. And I think it is interesting, the dichotomy of Seinfeld and How I Met Your Mother, both of both their impacts on the sitcom world and the way they affected things that came after them, and really the way that they approached the... I guess just the whole medium of the sitcom in such incredibly different ways. Yeah. yeah. Seinfeld was almost poking fun at the concept of doing a weekly show. <laughs> really. It's like you wondered if they wanted to be there. Right. And that's a compliment. That's a compliment. <laughs> so the way this works, we have five criteria, which we will each award a point to whichever sitcom we think comes out ahead. 
and that criteria. And since five times two being the two of us equals 10, mm -hmm. if it does end in a mm -hmm. five, five tie, we will turn it over to the people's voice in a Twitter poll that will be posted as this episode is released. So um, it may end up coming down to you at home. Sorry, friends will not be included in the poll. <laughs> Although all the pe the friends stands probably just are like fuck these guys and already clicked out. We're gonna be canceled. Yeah, <laughs> we're not even just not liking friends. How dare uh, they? <laughs> the five criteria are the cast or the performances, the overall story, our favorite episode or best episode where we will say is the best episode of How I Met Your Mother better than the best episode of Seinfeld, the series rewatchability. And then the lasting impact of the show are the five criteria. So, Ronnie, we'll toss it to you first in the acting and cast. And I have to say, for both of these, some sitcoms uh, end and really, like Friends, for example, parlay to much bigger careers for uh, mm -hmm. two of their stars. I think Courtney Cox and Jennifer Aniston. I think both of these shows, for the most part, this might be close to, if not the greatest thing that all of these actors or comedians have ever done in their life. I think I think this is an interesting category because when I just take them as individuals, um, you know, you you look at each career. I mean, so I'll start with How I Met Your Mother. You have Allison Hannigan, who, you know, she she's had her own career before and after How I Met Your Mother. Now it's not been a leading lady um, type. She's never the focus of, you know, she's never the main character in a story. You know, she's always there though. She's always around, and you know, we, we can talk about Buffy. Vampire Slayer and and American Pie and obviously what leading into How I Met Your Mother, um, you know she's she's fantastic on her own, but again she's never on her own, right? So um, I, I think her you know what she's brought to the table was successful in being that like supportive you know wife and girlfriend to Marshall, and then it you is, have okay. sorry real quick it's interesting with her because when she was cast in the show, at the time I was like that's kind of a big get she's like a yeah. She's been in several movie franchises mm -hmm. in a big show. Like, why would she commit to a sitcom again? And then you look at this 10 years later, and you're like, well, that is probably the most successful thing she's ever yeah. done. Yeah. I mean, and you don't get sitcoms that do what Seinfeld and, and How Many Your Mother did to go 10 years. I mean, that is success. And, you know, then you have Jason Segel, who I think we all love. I mean, he's one of the favorite part of watching How, of How I Met Your Mother. Um, he has had a successful career. Outside of just How I Met Your Mother, again, questionable to say, like, is he this Hollywood big shot? I thought for a little bit there, I think you'll agree with me, it looked like he was going to be. And then the last couple of years, he's kind of went quiet. Yeah. Um, you know, he's we I fucking love him. I love you, man. Uh, forgetting Sarah Marshall. <clears throat> just he's great when he's the Muppets. Oh, my God. Like, you know how you and I feel about the Muppets. It's one right. of that was the, the rebrand was amazing. So. I, I find him fascinating because he, I think of everyone was going to be the peak and I'm not sure what happened the last couple of years. Yeah. I think there's some like stuff we don't know about or hasn't been reported because he was on that career trajectory um, where, like you said, he was a guy I was like, buy the Jason Siegel stock now before it gets mm -hmm. too, too expensive. Yep, absolutely. And then you have uh, Josh Radner who is God, Josh Radner. <laughs> He's, in terms of his success in and out of How You Met Mother, you're right. It's probably the best thing he's done. He doesn't want to do mainstream movies. As If you want to look up Josh Radner and, and people can have opinions on him, um, he, he wants to be in indie films. He wants to do off-Broadway. Like He just doesn't want to be in mainstream. And he has a not very high opinion of people who uh, revere his character of Ted Mosby in the show. 
Speaking of, I don't know. I meant to text you about this. He tweeted about how I met your mother, like a joke about it. Like, like, you know how it's cool now. Like, you know, the, you know, the office people always tweet about the office, you know, yeah. you'll get them commenting on Twitter to each other. He, I, it was surprising. I saw that, like he tweeted about how I met your mother in a really endearing way. And I'm like, maybe he's finally getting over the fact that he got sick of it. You know, maybe he's appreciating it more hope. I, I love that if they can, you know, find, you know, get the, the, get the game back together. But the life of an actor to me is so interesting because it is incredible how quickly you go from a starving actor or actress looking for work to someone who is so annoyed and really over any reverence you get for something you've mm-hmm. done. Like to, to being, I think there is a lot of Josh Radner in his character. They're from Ohio. And I think Carter Bass and Craig Thomas did a lot of mirroring, like especially with Kobe Smolders and Robin. Yeah. But the pretentious aspect of Ted is one that I think will always resonate with me as, like, very accurate when you see Josh. Yeah. <laughs> the Renaissance Fair. Yeah. And, and then, of course, you get, yeah, you, we'll finish it off with Neil Patrick Harris, who I think is kind of just a legend in his own way. He, again, kind of like Jason Siegel, maybe could be a little more famous than he is. Um, but, you know, obviously starting with Doogie Howser being, the you know, kid, kid actor star. Um, I, but he does a lot of Broadway. He does a lot of, you know, again, not really movie, not your typical famous actor. So I think, you know, what he is, he is a really good actor in what he does. I just don't know if he feels the, the urge to take that next step. And then obviously Colby Smulders, who you, I know you can talk about this more extensively in, in her work with, um, you know, the Avengers and, and that in the Marvel Universe. But, you know, I think I expected, you know, she's not getting as much, you know, attention either. They all kind of peaked, like you said. Yeah, they Kobe Smulders, I think, had I mean, obviously, she was able to latch onto a big franchise in the MCU. So that's provided her decent work. She's always good in everything she sees. But I I liked her show Stumptown, but she's one of those people, too, where it's like when you don't strike while the iron's hot directly after your show, I kind of where you sort of fade into maybe not oblivion or obscurity. It's too hyperbolic. But like all this. She's like a 30-something, very attractive, very capable mm-hmm. actress in Hollywood. There's just a lot of those. Yeah, there's nothing that stands out about her. I would actually say she's the weakest of the five in How I Met Your Mother. Yeah. Um, you know, in, in just terms of, like, it's just she is probably just playing herself for the most part. And, I didn't, you know, even when watching The Avengers, I'm like, uh, okay, you could put literally anyone to her role, and I wouldn't feel like it would change anything. Right. All right, so now on to the cast of Seinfeld. Of course we have the titular Jerry Seinfeld playing <laughs> some iteration of himself. Uh, I think over the years, especially throughout the show, Jerry is the character who probably changed or grew the least maybe, but I guess that's sort of the, the thing with all these characters. Because <laughs> they, any of them grow. It's him. Yeah. So what was your thoughts on how Jerry essentially played, I guess, a version of himself throughout the course? Of I cycle? guess it's the easiest gig, right? Like you're a comedian and you get to play yourself. Um, I would love to do that. I'd love to get paid to be myself. Um, yeah, Jerry, Jerry, I think in terms of acting, I mean, is he ever has, you know, he, he if he plays anything in any movies or shows, he's playing himself literally like he'll, right. he'll just be a cameo actor. He's not. And, you know, I don't know if he ever has had the urge to become an actual actor, you know, he, he gets by on doing his comedy. I mean, I, I can sit here and tell you that I actually don't find Jerry Seinfeld stand up funny, but I find Jerry, the, the show Seinfeld, probably one of my favorite shows of all time. I mean, like it's, it's literally 
I've never laughed harder than I watched Seinfeld. So I'm not exactly sure how who Jerry Seinfeld is, though, because how do I like that humor so much but not his stand-up? And I think a lot yeah, of that you can give to Larry David, too. But, yeah, I, I, Jerry Seinfeld, I mean, he's never going to be anything else but Jerry. Right, for better or worse. Uh, my favorite character in Seinfeld is Elaine Bennis, played by Julia Louis-Dreyfus. Yeah. And I might argue she's probably top two out of all of these cast lists combined. So what are your thoughts on Elaine? Fucking love her. She's a queen, man. Like, <laughs> she's, she, she's all... You, I love, like, the, her physical comedy in Seinfeld is fantastic. You know, it's kind of underrated. It's not really talked about as much. She's always doing something to someone. Like, if you're watching, <laughs> she's always pushing people and punching yes. them. Um, and, and, and her and George's dad's dynamic is just awesome. But, you know, like, she... I think she has had, again, kind of like Allison Hannigan just been in a lot of stuff but not the focal point until we got to veep on hbo yeah and if you've never watched veep it's absolutely amazing um it's, it's essentially the idea that sarah palin would have become vice president what that would have been like um and it, it it's a she's an amazing actress in the show she is just a brilliant comedian um but really like outside of those two things it's Seinfeld will always be what she's known for, I think. And but I think she's had a successful enough career as an individual, more so than most of these people. I have always just found this inherent comedy in the fact that Elaine is hanging out with the three guys that she hangs out with in this show. Like, yeah. why is she with these dudes? <laughs> Speaking of the three dudes, I mean, Jason Alexander as George Costanza, who I'll be honest, I've kind of cooled on him as a character over the years. Like when I go back and rewatch the show, I'm like, George is just a little. A little too much at times. A little me. too depressing. <laughs> right. What's so funny is that, um, so I've heard, I don't know if you've ever heard this. I've actually heard Jason Alexander is a phenomenal actor who has just been so typecast by Seinfeld. He has been unable to do any type of work he actually wants to do. To He's the point to woman. like, that's right. Yeah. He's the antagonist. I guess it really drove him crazy to a point to like, maybe similar to Josh Radner and Jason Siegel. Uh, where they didn't really want to talk about how I met your mother, that he at, at some point later in the career just hated George, like just hated playing this character because it it fucked his career. He, you know, he still does stuff and you, you, you'll see him randomly. Um, but from what I have heard and read online is that they would all literally say he was the best actor of all of them. But because he was so good at playing this fucking loser they you know it just ruined his any chance to become bigger so i think i don't know about that i you know he is good in everything i've seen him um but supposedly he has range that we'll never get to see the sitcom world is such a double-edged sword because you you always want work as an actor and the residuals and the royalties will literally set you up mm -hmm. for life from the show but a lot of times you cannot escape it because you yeah. essentially play the same person over 100 hours of you know, the medium and sometimes 10 years and that becomes you. And, 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 and that happens to, and, and I understand well, people are like, well, if you're a good actor, you'll get work. But it's not the, the problem is the studios don't think he can do or probably a role is that they don't think audience members want to go see him. Right. In a serious role. It's why like, you know, the few times like Jim Carrey's gone, um, you know, dark or, you know, they do a good job or Jason Bateman's gone dark. Like he's, it's not easy, and it takes a little bit of adjustment. Now, these actors are capable of it, but for the audience, the audience is the one that you have to convince to go do it. Um, so, I mean, yeah, hope maybe if that's the case, you know, maybe it's been 23 years now that it's been off the air. 
Um, and I feel like it's it might be passed now for yeah. him, unfortunately. I mean, we can come up with a ton of examples. From, like Ashton Kutcher, I just can't disassociate him from no. Mike Kelso. He's yeah. trying to play Steve Jobs, and I'm like, but you're not. Dude, I that, like, straight up, and that's why I'm saying we're, we're guilty of it ourselves. Like, I didn't want to see that because it's him. I'm like, what? Right. <laughs> you know? All right, last one, and obviously this guy's really had some issues uh, in his personal life outside of the show, but Michael Richards as mm-hmm. Kramer, who I've always thought in the show, uh, the one thing Seinfeld had an issue with was that George and Kramer were both essentially filling the same role as, like, the completely over-the-top character who resides. Like, Elaine had to essentially be the straight man, for lack of a better term, sometimes. But I think there's a lot of comedic opportunities for that person. But Seinfeld is just one of those shows. There might have been just too many cooks in the kitchen in terms of the -the over-the-top friend who would burst into your apartment. Yeah. (laughs) First of all, I would say, as an actor in the show, he was phenomenal. I'm not talking about, you know, like, my God, like I was mentioned, Elaine's physical comedy, but nothing comes close to to Kramer's physical comedy on the show. And you're right. I mean, I would say Kramer is George, but one accepting of who he is, right? Like Kramer doesn't have a problem with who he is. George thinks he's better than everyone, but isn't at all. Right. You know, like George is this terrible person. Like he he's a loser to the degree and he knows it, but he still acts like he's better than people. But Kramer just is like, I am who I am and I'm good with it. And, you know, obviously he clearly has money from a different lifestyle. You know, like he doesn't need it. He's like a successful accepting of himself, George. And I think they've always been kind of, you know, both Elaine and Kramer kind of can mirror Jerry and George in a way. So, um, yeah, they're very similar characters. But it to me, they the confidence is what sets them apart. Yeah, I agree. All right, last thing before we award our point for the acting and cast, I think it should almost just be a whole category of the ancillary characters. So all the other characters that pop up throughout the shows, between How I Met Your Mother and Seinfeld, who would you give the edge to there, or maybe really just who are the characters that stand out to you most outside of the main cast? Gosh, there's so many. Seinfeld did such a good job of making iconic one-episode characters. Mm-hmm. You know, like the Soup Nazi. Uh, I mean, you you can literally it's one episode and he is feels like he's part of the show. Um, you know, then you can talk about like George's parents. Like I fucking love Jordan's parents, you know, um, and that the, that cast and everything. And um, I, I just, you know, and, and how, how I met your mother, mother does a great job. Like each girlfriend of Ted's almost gets a whole season devoted to them, you know. Yeah. But I would say who stands out, it, it would be the Seinfeld extra because. They're just, they don't have to make that much of an appearance. And we'll get to the finale. I mean, the finale was bringing back these characters, right? Like, that was almost the point of the Seinfeld finale. Right. And and I think because those characters were so impactful. So, I mean, Newman, my God. Like, you know, you could just hear Jerry saying Newman. And uh, so I, I, I might lean that way. How do you feel? Yeah, I'm going to go the same way. I think if you can make Wayne Knight funny, then you have created a good character. <laughs> and yes, offense to Wayne Knight. But Jerry Stiller's Frank Costanza yes. is honestly my favorite Seinfeld character. Yes. I mean, it's he's iconic to me. And actually, the, the hardest moments I've laughed at Seinfeld are because of him. And How I Met Your Mother has some strong ancillary characters. Like, I don't know if you'd count Bob Saget as the narrator, but Wayne Brady as Barney's brother, James, yeah. is great in the show. Um, Ted's girlfriends all have varying degrees of likability and dislikability. Like Sarah Chalk as Stella. And Karen. Season. Ashley uh, Williams as Victoria is maybe my favorite of Ted's Mm -hmm. girlfriends. Um, 
But none of those guys really hold a candle in my mind to Jerry Stiller as Frank Costanza. No. Although now that I'm thinking about it, you know who is close is Joe Maggianello as Brad. I love, yeah, Brad. <laughs> He's just not in it. Cowlilies are my favorite flower. I don't know how you knew that. The zucchini bread is a redonk. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Cycli. So now the important part, and this is probably one that I figured we'd talk about the longest because it essentially is what the show is comprised of. But who do you award your point to for the acting and cast? Seinfeld or How I Met Your Mother? Uh, God, this is tough because they're, because this is such a different show. Um but at the end of the day, I think I'm going to lean to Seinfeld. I'm actually going to do the same thing. And it's difficult for me to say because I, I do think How I Met Your Mother did a really good job of giving each character, and we'll get into this in story up next, but some growth throughout the series. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, I think the Seinfeld cast, especially with the ancillary characters, it there's just too many heavy hitters. Like Yeah, and... No, I'm sorry. I was just going to say, like, again, Jerry Stiller alone, he might even be, like, third favorite if you put him on a list of, like, the regulars from How I Met Your Mother for me. Yeah, and, and again, the, the, in terms of the acting was fine in both, I mean, How I Met Your Mother, but it, they, you can, you call this flanderization. It's, it's what happens to a show that goes on too long that their characters kind of reinvented themselves. And we can talk about, like, Ted, especially. Um, we'll get into that story. You know, like... Ted becomes this a very different person in the sixth, seventh season, you know, and right. and I don't even say it's gross. So I mean, Seinfeld, I will say, does they are who they are, and they're consistent about it. Like, and so the characters don't change. Uh, you know, well, we'll get into that too about Kramer in the first season, but um, yeah, I just think at the end of the day, Seinfeld's overall cast is more iconic, and and you know, and will stand the test of time. I agree. All right, so Seinfeld is up two to nothing. The next category is the story, which is going to be difficult because Seinfeld's whole point is that it really doesn't have a story. <laughs> so let's start with Seinfeld. According to IMDb, the plot synopsis is the continuing misadventures of neurotic New York City stand-up comedian Jerry Seinfeld and his equally neurotic New York City <laughs> friends. And Seinfeld even does a good job of parodying itself throughout where him and George pitch the pilot to NBC about a, sh- a show that's about nothing. Which is as meta as you could possibly get. Um, a show written by Jerry Seinfeld about Seinfeld that's written, that's then a reading about Jerry Seinfeld writing a show about Seinfeld. On Seinfeld. <laughs> it's like three layers. <laughs> so, what do you think of the, I guess, quote unquote, story of Seinfeld, or maybe just the balls to really pitch a show and maintain it throughout eight or nine seasons where there is no story? You like, have to be trying credit. to grow characters. Yeah, you have to give credit to NBC of taking a risk on this. Um, because I, it literally would make no sense. And I, I do, like you said, the meta aspect when they were pitching it in NBC in the show, and they're all like, it's a show about nothing. What? That doesn't make any sense. And it takes years for them to even get a pilot on the, on the show. Um, you know, it's, it, it's one of those things that you can talk about, like, you can literally say this was the first to do it. You know, it, you can't say that about how I met your mother. You can't say that about friends. You can't say that about a lot of things. And, and I, you know, it works in an age where in the early nineties, where we didn't have the technology to be able to record shows. Um, you, you didn't need this continuity. You could just come in, watch 25 minutes of these characters being assholes and laugh your ass off and, and miss the next five weeks and get to do it again. Right. Um, because you knew you weren't missing out on anything. So, um, 
I, I give credit to them. I love the concept, and it's it's tried to been done maybe once or twice since then, and it's not easy to do. No, I, I do think there is something to be said about the lack of investment or commitment that they ask a viewer of Seinfeld to have in an episode, um, and how it, you, it's just so turnkey to turn on an episode, not know what's going on, and appreciate it for what it is, because there isn't anything going on. And that's how our lives are a lot of times. Yeah. Right? It's like, we find humor in the really mundane. Like it, It's revolutionary. They did an entire episode in the waiting room of a restaurant. Mm-hmm. Like, like, that's crazy to me because, I mean, it's, that's, it's a great episode. Fucking hilarious. But, again, for an executive to pass on, to not pass on it. I mean, to be able to convince, hey, we're going to do 23 minutes of us standing in a Chinese restaurant and not Waiting for a table, right? Waiting for a table. I mean, I, it's I it's it's it was ballsy and and it worked because it could have failed miserably fast. Right. So Seinfeld definitely gets points for its creativity and like you said, some shows that have sort of tried to copy this through. I think maybe uh, it's always Sunny is probably mm-hmm. the best example of one that's done, and that one is just so much more ridiculous. Than yeah, this. Seinfeld, like on, Seinfeld crack. on steroids <laughs> or crack. Yeah, basically. Um, but its characters, there are a lot of similarities. I think in the way they act, but. Uh, the premise is one that is so polarizing that, again, to make the show last as long as it did is pretty impressive. Mm-hmm. All right, How I Met Your Mother's plot synopsis, according to IMDb, is a father recounts to his children through a series of flashbacks the journey he and his four best friends took leading up to him meeting their mother. And, Ronnie, I think the thing that I will always appreciate and love about How I Met Your Mother is, to my knowledge, there has never been a show with this framing device. Mm-hmm. Where the narrator is an unreliable narrator for sure, but telling a story thirty years in the or was it twenty years in the future? Yeah, twenty. It was twenty thirty, I think, is when he's telling the story. Okay, and yeah, so, so yeah, twenty five, twenty six years. Yeah, yeah, telling uh, telling the story twenty five years in the future, leading up to it, and obviously the runway that they've built up, and and not quite knowing where characters are in quote unquote present day, was just something that week to week just made it so interesting as these big milestones were happening in the characters' lives. Yeah, I think it's an easy thing to just say How I Met Your Mother is no different than Friends or other type of sitcoms like that. Um, because when you just break off the idea that it's just about five friends living in New York, you know, upper 20s, lower 30s, young professionals starting their life together, um, you, you take out that superficial surface level. Uh, How I Met Your Mother did something extremely unique like Seinfeld. Because like Seinfeld was able to succeed because it didn't have any continuity. How I Met Your Mother took a massive risk because most sitcoms don't really have a vast story. Like they have individual stories in the season. They'll have stories maybe in a three episode arc. Uh, Maybe a couple will be dating for a year and they'll break up and that's continuity to them. Mm -hmm. How I Met Your Mother literally, I think one of the reasons it never peaked to be as big as Friends did and the viewership is because it demanded the audience had to watch week to week for sure. And, and that's, that was a game changer in a sitcom. You don't do that with sitcoms. And again, even mid two thousand, I think 2004, 2005 was season one of how you make your mother. Yes. You could start getting the TiVo maybe I think at that point, but that's not something a larger audience is going to be used to. So that was a big risk for how I make your mother to say, you can't just come in and watch the third season of season three and know what the fuck is going on. You can yeah. do that with Seinfeld. You can do that with friends. Uh, How I Met Your Mother, and again, I think that's why it was always like, 
you know, second or third in the ratings, not first. Yeah, they, uh, tr- it was definitely a, it was a sitcom through and through. It was a hilarious show, but they sort of followed all the, the tropes and the, the framing device and the narrative structure that a, a drama would tell. Like, you're not going to watch, just randomly show up to season four, episode six of Game of Thrones and ask the person on the couch mm-hmm. next, next to you, what, what's happening? They'd be like, dude, wh- why are you here? Yeah. That's kind of, but to a lesser degree, how, how I Met Your Mother was. At least none of the emotional beats, and there was a lot of them, which we'll get into, I think, for best episode. But none of those would resonate with you at all. And you really, like, you're just cheating yourself out of the experience if you try to just tune in randomly to watch it. I remember I did watch, before I became a How I Met Your Mother fan and watched the entire show, I think I caught up live, I think, in the fifth season. So, like, I watched the first four seasons. I'm pretty sure half of it at your apartment. And, um, you know, and I remember I did randomly watch season four. I remember the exact episode because I had no idea what the hell was going on. Mm -hmm. It was the episode where they're all at uh, Lily and Marshall's uh, at 3 a.m. watching Robin's show. And, like, they're, like, Lily was caught manipulating. Yeah. Yeah. Lily's caught manipulating Ted's relationships. And so they're fighting. And, like, Robin's on in the TV in the background, like, giving birth and putting out a fire. And I just remember, like, just randomly watching that show being, like, episode and being, like, I don't know what the hell's going on. Yeah. And and the, the, the humor in the show, yes, you have your slapstick comedy, your obvious comedy. But most of the humor is based on knowing the show, knowing the characters, and knowing their history. Yes. Seinfeld, you could tune in and figure out who everybody is in five minutes. Yeah. And there's no, they don't pick up a plot thread from the week before. All right, Cycli, moment of truth. Who gets your point for the better story, Seinfeld or How I Met Your Mother? I'm going to just go with <laughs> How I Met Your Mother. And that's not an insult to Seinfeld. To be honest, that's a compliment to Seinfeld. If I was voting for Seinfeld's story, I'd feel like Seinfeld's like, no, that's what, what we wanted. Like, yeah, like, we don't want this point. We don't want a story point. Like, and that's a credit to the Seinfeld, but I'm, I'm going to go with How I Met Your Mother. What I'm going to do the exact same thing. Yeah, and I think it's just because the, the dramatic inserts into the comedic structure of How I Met Your Mother are just incredible. And like, yeah. to, to get you so invested in sitcom characters in a real way, like, yeah, the Friends people say like, oh, when Ross and Rachel got together, I'd be like, which time? Like... Come on. How, yeah. how many others' key emotional beats are really very rarely rooted? They are there, but so much, so little of it is rooted on like the relationship of the week or something like that. Yeah. Which Absolutely. It's real strength. All right. This is going to be a really tough one, but the best episode from each show. So here you and I just each have to decide the what, what we think the best episode from each series is. And of those two, which one is better? So cycling. I don't know if you've had time to think about this, but I mean, you probably already know for how I met your mother. Seinfeld, I think, is a little bit tougher as I've been looking at these. Um, it, it, it is tough because there's, I don't know, when, when Seinfeld peaks, it, there's so many up there. Um, I'm going to go with the contest for Seinfeld. Yeah. Um, what do a you lot think? of people like, have we, that as their number one episode. I think, I think that has to be it. It's just iconic, you know? Um, I, I, I just. If you don't know Seinfeld and you really want to just get Seinfeld, just watch that one episode. You find out everything about who everyone is really quickly in that episode. I mean, it's, it's so fucking good. Um, so are you going to say what you're – or how do you want me to do this? Like, do you want to say your favorite from uh, Let me do my Seinfeld one first. And this one, just because it's, it's so relatable and you're actually kind of like wondering how is this going to end up. But it's the parking garage 
with Seinfeld. God, <laughs> again. Where they cannot so... fucking find their car. A whole the... episode in a parking garage. <laughs> and they swear, like, it's been stolen or something. And then, of course, I think it's, is it Jerry that has to take a piss? Yeah, he pees. And, and then gets he gets arrested. arrested for it. What does he say? You're in a nicest, you're a mycestasis. <laughs> or like, he, but he says it's a disease or something. He's like, you know, I could get, that could be very damaging. It's a fatal. If I hold <laughs> It's just so, and again, I think that is the epitome of what this show's so good at. Like the pr- the pitch is they can't find their car in a parking garage. Like that's it. Yeah. There's nothing else. Well, yeah, and the and the and the contest, if you've never seen Seinfeld, that's literally about they're having a they're all not masturbating to see who can win the go the longest. Right. <laughs> <laughs> like literally, like I mean, that's amazing in the nineties to be able to pull that off. I mean, they don't just say the word masturbating. Right, like they literally very tiptoe crafty, around it, right. but it's so just. And it's again, it's just all about that. And I, like Kramer coming in like an hour after the bet, going, "I'm out," and slamming the hundred dollar bill on the right. table. Like, <laughs> like oh, it made it's... him want to masturbate more because they yeah, of the <laughs> it would be like when I was a kid and they, because you know I talk a lot and I'm an extrovert, and they would so the teachers would be like, "Oh, let's make a contest out of this." Like, hey, hey, Ronnie. Uh, we're gonna play the quiet game. Do you think you can win? And I'd be like, nope, I lose. Oh no! And I start talking, keep talking. Like, I yeah, didn't care. pressure's off now. <laughs> yeah. So okay. no, both of those episodes again. How Seinfeld, like you said, you could, there's so many episodes like that. It, they're just fucking perfect. Yeah. Like the pitch meeting is just like a post-it note with the situation you're in. Yeah. There's no like deep context to the plot or where the characters are. All right, How I Met Your Mother, what's your favorite wow. episode? I know we have I, a lot of the same ones here. Yeah, I'm probably going to go with Slot Bet um, because it's not just that episode. It, it What it sets up for the entire story and the mm-hmm. entire show. Um, that episode is has a little bit of everything. We get Robin Sparkles. We get the origination of the Slot Bet. I mean... There's so much that the show relies on from this one episode. And it's, I mean, yes, it's fucking hilarious. But again, kind of what we talked about the story and continuity. This episode is key to understand the future of, of what happens to these characters. Yes. Yeah. And the Robin Sparkles introduction was like iconic as well. Um, Let's go to the mall. My God. It's so good. <laughs> Just to be clear, you want to go to the mall today. today. <laughs> Um, I'm going to go with Bad News, the oh, wow. season six, episode 13 episode. And I won't spoil this for you if you guys haven't seen it in a long time or if you're listening to this like, oh, I didn't make it through one of these shows. I want to go back and watch it. But one thing about this episode, Cycle, that I know you and I love stuff like this is there's a countdown happening mm-hmm. in the background of every scene. I don't. I think it might start with 30? I think 50. I just 50, watched it. Okay. I watched it like two days ago. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So there's something in the background, like let's say there's a scene where they're at a restaurant, the menu might have 50 on it. And then when it cuts away, Barney might have like a shirt on with the number 49 yeah. or something. And it counts down yeah. to something at the end of the episode. And to me, this was just, it just showed you how Carter Bays and Craig Thomas were playing chess and the rest of us are playing checkers. You well, know? and this won't give anything away, but. Jason Siegel's character, Marshall, uh, he didn't know. Oh, really? The the reveal. So that that reaction is genuine when he finds out what he finds out. Wow. So bad news. Go check it out. Season six, episode thirteen. But before you check it out, I mean, obviously, especially the way How I Met Your Mother set up, I would watch the series at that point because it'll resonate <laughs> a lot better. Yeah.
Uh, all right, so who who does your point go to? I'm going to go to Seinfeld. I, I can't not go to Seinfeld on this. I think, I, again, at the end of the day, their episodes, what they, you know, what they were able to do, um, I, I, I think I would take the contest over, over slot bet. It's a tough one, but I think Seinfeld pulls it out. Yeah, I hate to keep kind of harping on this, but the fact that they're able to make something so great yeah. out of something so simple is really uh, incredible. I just have to go with bad news, just because the way yeah. it affected me still to this day. And and now that you kind of know the countdown is happening, when you go back and rewatch it, is you're just like your heart is getting in a knot. Yeah. Knowing what's about to happen. Yeah. All right. So we have a tie at three to three. And cycling now we are moving into our rewatchability. So this is essentially I know we've rewatched both these shows several times, and you're mm-hmm. currently on probably your like fifth rewatch of how you met your mother. Uh, so which of these shows holds up better or do you think is more enjoyable going back through it? So I, it goes into how how you feel like watching. Um, I think, you know, I'm, like you said, I am doing a current rewatch of How I Met Your Mother. And it's only as good as it is because I'm watching all of it. Um, and, and I think that's the difficult part of how you rank rewatchability. If I just want to come in and watch a random episode of something, then put on Seinfeld. Um, because, again, everything we've said about how the story is... Or how there's a non-story, how each episode is just independent of itself. Um, and, and I think that just kind of has its own attraction to it because you can be a little lazy. I, I, I don't know if I ever have, to be honest, watched How I Met Your Mother casually without just doing it from start to finish. Yeah. Um, or before the next, the, you know, back in the day when it was still on, just rewatching the previous seasons. And, and I think that, and again, that's one of the reasons I commend How I Met Your Mother, but one of the reasons I don't think it was ever number one, it, it, it makes you have to work for it. So, you know, if you have, if you're busy all the time, I, I, you know, I'm sure people out there do casually watch How I Met Your Mother, but to get the full impact of it, um, that's where it struggles to me. So, yeah, Seinfeld's probably a little easier. What do you think? I, I'm going to agree with you here. Um... And How I Met Your Mother, I, this we'll get into this in the next category of impact, but the way that it ended, I remember there was a time where you and I, like, right, this is, like, just what we do with our initial reaction, like, very knee-jerk, but I was like, fuck this show, I'm never watching it again. Yeah. Once it ended, and I've very much cooled on that over yes. the years. Um, I have refound my love, yeah. But again, Seinfeld wasn't, it, it wasn't trying to throw a Hail Mary, it was content with, like, a three- or four-yard rush. And as a result of that, you can dive in at any point and probably get a laugh out of it. I will say for the casual fan, like if you're just a fan of comedy in general and you were to watch one of these two episodes, even knowing that you need to be probably caught up in terms of continuity to fully appreciate How I Met Your Mother, you, there's probably a better chance you'll laugh at a random episode of How I Met Your Mother versus Seinfeld. But for me, if you said you have to watch just one of these episodes right now and we're going to draw one out of a hat, I'd have to go Seinfeld. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's humor in all of it. Yeah, it's just, I think just How I Met Your Mother is a dish meant to be eaten full course, right? Like, you're not eating just the, the main Very meal. Well you're put. eating, you have the amouche-bouche, you're getting your appetizer, and you're getting your dessert after. Like, you you can't really get the full impact if you only do one part of it. Where Seinfeld, you could just, you know, order off the bar menu, and it's going to do exactly, you know, it's going to be great. <laughs> that was, we just became the bro fork squad. For every, <laughs> I love it. All right, so Seinfeld is up five to three, and in order to tie this thing up, How I Met Your Mother has to sweep the impact category. So, Ronnie, of these two shows, which do you think, and again, impact can mean whatever it means to you. So it can be impact on the genre of of sitcoms, 
on the actors' careers, or even just the impact that it, the show left with you, respectively? Which one had the greater impact in your mind? I, I think I'm going to go with Seinfeld only because it's more unique in the sense of like what it accomplished and what it was able to do in an era where sitcoms really just kind of copied themselves, especially in the 90s. It was the anti-Friends. I mean, even though it was before Friends, but, you know, like it, the fact that they were on the same network, and I'm pretty sure on the same day, I think was, was pretty crazy because you, you don't have a lot of similar audience. I'm sure there are people who like both, but the most part, if you find Seinfeld humor funny, you might not like Friends as much. Right. Um, and so, uh, you know, Seinfeld today, we're, I think, again, 22 years since it's off the air. And I think you still just talked about almost as much. Like, you still hear references to Seinfeld. You still get people talking about it. You still have people watching it. Um, and I think it's just one of those shows that where you're going to look back and, and be like, that was a once-in-a-generation type show. Um, you know, it, the impact is interesting, though, because a lot of people have not been able to mimic it. Like, we, talk, we did mention how uh, It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, um, which is a show about kind of just you know, assholes who only care about themselves and, you know, <laughs> do outlandish things. But, you know, but it's just much more extreme than Seinfeld. And I do love It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, so I give credit to them for being able to pull off what they've done. Um, but the fact that the it's not been, uh, you know, overdone repeatedly shows that it was successful in a really unique way because it's not easy to do. Um, How I Met Your Mother... Like you said, with the finale, I think there was a lot of um, anger <laughs> towards it and and turned us off to the point that this is the first time I've rewatched the show since it went off the air in 2014. So it took me six, seven years to to really do a full yeah, we were hurt for sure. Yeah. And and we can we'll talk about that in a second, but I'll let you go ahead. Yeah, I think Seinfeld, like people have been afraid to try and copy that premise. And I don't blame them. Yeah, because it takes a level of confidence and really a level of genius or maybe insanity or both to basically sit there and say like, this is going nowhere. And that mm -hmm. it's, that's where the humor is derivative. How I met your mother, um, I think was a very unique premise for a sitcom. And I loved the ride. Um, the ending again, and I'm, I don't want to spoil it for anybody that wants to go back and watch it or maybe watched it and kind of gave up towards the end, but especially the last season had a lot of potential, and you and I have talked about how we would rework it, mm -hmm. sort of fix things. Um, but it just, I think the problem inherently is How I Met Your Mother was so reliant the entire time on on the end game of it, where we all knew if this thing doesn't you know, stick the landing, it's we're going to look back on the whole show and kind of be yeah. pissed off. And sadly, that's what happened. Yeah, absolutely. And this finale, a lot of people hate it, but who cares? It's Seinfeld, right? You know, and I think I think there has been some reverse anger towards Seinfeld's uh, finale because I think people have to accept how else would that show have ended? I mean, really, how do you? That's end true. That? And and the fact <laughs> they're that they're not going to stop unless you put them in jail. <laughs> and I get it. It was an inherent like it's very much almost a clip show the the finale to a point, but like. That's what kind of makes it fun. You're even it, again back in the '90s. You didn't have DVDs of the show. Yeah. Um, you get to revisit all of the amazing characters. And I, again, I was young. I was like 10 years old, 12 years old, I think, when like Seinfeld's finale came out, and I loved it because you just get to see everyone that made the show what it was. Because the, what, Seinfeld was good on the, the the main characters, but those ancillary characters, like you mentioned, you know, 
Babu Bot, like, you know, these people who come in and just have their one phrase. And right. um, I do think I have softened on my feelings of the How I Met Your Mother finale. It's more about how they went about it than what, how it actually ended. That's my Correct. problem. Yeah. Um, but I think uh, How I Met Your Mother was a victim of its own success, like lost. It went on a little longer than everyone anticipated because they just kept going. And then eventually they're like, well, shit, what do we do? We went longer than we were supposed to. Uh, if you take out the Zoe season, I think we might, and, and sort of consolidate the last season into that, then maybe we have something there. Yeah. Uh, but I don't know if you remember this. I can remember the Seinfeld finale was like, it was like a national moment. Like, I remember my dad, I was somewhere with him, and he was like calling my mom, like, hey, make sure that the VCR is set to record yeah. <laughs> Seinfeld tonight. It was like, yeah. Because back then it wasn't like if you missed it, you could just, like you said, go on DVR and watch it or like go online. And you could not miss Seinfeld. Like, you would be dead at the water cooler the next I, day. I'm pretty missed. sure it was like, I don't know. Like, I'm, I'm going to pull this out of my ass, but like 60 million people watched it or like 100 million. You know what I mean? Like, it was like, like the Super, Super Bowl. Numbers. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, there's images you can look up online, especially if some of the audience members are a little too young for this. You can go look at Madison, not Madison Square Garden, at Times Square. There was a crowd watching it at in Times Square. Oh, really? Square. Yeah, on That's yeah cool. on the big screen. So um, it was a it was a universal event. The finale of Seinfeld. All right. So as much as we love both of these shows, are we both giving the impact point to Seinfeld? I think so. I think it's just I, I think you have to because it's 23 years later and it's still considered one of the greatest ever if not the greatest sitcom so with those two points i gotta say i'm a little shocked seinfeld wins seven to three over how i met your mother i think that's i think that's respectable i think you know i think how i met your mother did a lot of things well but it will never be considered you know one of the best sitcoms ever i think it is for us personally but i think in, in terms of what it brought to the genre it's it stands on its own but it's not iconic yeah, I agree. It it definitely has both of these shows, I think, are for how unique they each are is what makes both of them so great. But the the tale of the tape is I think rewatchability is maybe the most important category here because Seinfeld started in 1989 and it's still syndicated on TBS. Like, is there a single yeah. show that's 20 almost that's wild, I guess, 31, 32 years from its inception that you can think is still on TV and not on TV land? Yeah, that's what I was going to say. I mean, I Love Lucy was on Nick at night, you know, like shit like that, right? Like you literally have it uh, only for a specific audience at times. It's still on, like you said, on TBS in the middle of the day. And by the way, if you're looking for a great Twitter, I don't know if you know this Twitter account, Ronnie, it's called Modern Day Seinfeld. Yes, so good. And they tweet like ideas for like a, a, what a modern day episode of Seinfeld would be. It is fucking genius. Sometimes yeah. I think you run that account, actually. <laughs> I wish I was that brilliant. Jo George in modern age would be just perfect. Oh, my God. Imagine him on, like, a dating app or something. Yeah. <laughs> It'd be crazy. Oh, that'd be so All good. right, well, if you're listening at home and you agree or disagree with us, comment below if you're on YouTube or tweet at us, at Squad. And this is the first one, as far as a TV show matchup, we've done with a Bro v. Bro. So if there's any others you'd like us to do, we're very interested. The issue is just... Uh, have we both seen the entire show? Although I am yeah. about to finish Modern Family, so I could. That's an impressive feat. Even the writers of Modern Family haven't seen all of Modern Family. Yeah, they're like, is it good? What happens? <laughs> all right, on to the second part of our show. And this should go a little quicker since there's only two of us today. But it is our protein shake where we go around and talk about what's in our cup. Also known as what have we watched lately? Ronnie, I got one. I got five things. What have you seen? I only got I got three. 
Cool. Um, um, did you yeah, see the Britney Spears documentary? Yes. Okay, cool. Let's talk about that one. Framing Britney Spears. Is it a New York Times Presents on Hulu? Is that what I used to Yes. Yeah. All right. Well, we're big, uh, obviously, Backstreet Boys fans. They have a song with Britney now called Matches. So, of course, we have to <laughs> give her our attention. What did you think of this documentary? A lot of the story I have known or at least heard in the uh, more recent years, but I'm really interested to get your take as a lawyer. It, it's pretty fascinating in a really sad way. Like... Like you said, I had known a lot about this. And first of all, the first thing I took out of the documentary was NSYNC sucks. I mean, Factory Boys are better. I think that was what they were trying to convey. That to uh, me is the real message here. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, it's, it's funny. You look at these child, act, child singers and, and actors and, and, you know, you think they have this amazing life. And then you watch stuff like this and, and then you're like, dude, they're in their own prison and they're being controlled by everyone. And you remember the song as you and I performed at... Uh, talent show lucky that has a whole different meaning now to it yes if you ever think you want to be a celebrity just watch one clip of the way the paparazzi treats these people yeah it's it's absolutely sad and 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 so like the conservatorship and i i just think there there hasn't been a lot of case law on it which is what makes this so fascinating then that's Mm -hmm. one of the reasons like why she's still stuck in it because there's not precedence and it's crazy to me that like a human being can't go up to a judge and be like, I don't want this. I'm of sound mind. And that's not enough. Um, obviously, there's a lot. You can break this down. and You can talk about reasons like that because insane people will act like they're sane. I get it. But um, but like, you know, there's been more to it than that. It is just fascinating in a really sad way that uh, she is in her what, 40s now, probably or, I don't, or upper 30s. I don't even know. And just seems like she still lives in a prison where when you see these interviews with her, I never realized she almost doesn't even seem like she has had a, you know, she has had such an abnormal life that like she's so removed from society and it's kind of fucked with her. Yeah. She seems like emotionally numbed to everything. I always think of the Barbara Walters clip with her where she references, and this is like a horrible journalistic tactic. I hate when people do this, but they'll throw they'll hide under the guise of like someone else said this about you. How do you feel about that? When really like they want to get a reaction. Yeah. And she says, a parent said like the way you're dressing, how am I supposed to explain that to my daughter? And Brittany, instead of having like a a honest emotion of like, fuck that mom, it's not my job to raise your kid. She's like, Oh no. And kind of starts crying. And I'm like, it's not your responsibility to make up for mother's shortcomings, but she just feels this like weight of the world on her shoulders, which is so unfair. Yeah, and you realize, like, everything she's being told to do, like, her music, her clothes, her dancing, everything is just being instructed to her. You know, like, I don't think she's ever been able to just make any decision for herself. And no, it's it's it was pretty rough because, you know, I'm sure we all got a kick out of it in 2007 when she had her meltdown and shaved her head and we were all laughing at it. Of course, they show, like, all the 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 late night hosts are making fun of her and we were right there, you know, the joke. Yeah, and, and it's just like you really forget that these are real human beings. Um, and and again, if you took anything else out of it, it's that NSYNC, are, uh, you know, Justin Timberlake can go to hell, am I right? PSB. 100%. I mean, he should have been in jail already for that all denim outfit that he wore. <laughs> Sick enough he's walking the streets. The last thing I'll say, and again, uh, maybe you and I can have a much longer drunk off pod conversation about this from your legal standpoint but i'm just confused how someone can be in a conservatorship and then autonomously on their own make like 40 million dollars a year but not have the 
access social capability to take care of themselves like which is it well she's not she's not in charge of that money that's what's insane that's what i'm saying how is she yeah. incapable of functioning on her own yet she's also capable of independently generating all this money for herself because the courts look at it in a situation like if she didn't have this conservatorship that's why she's being successful that's why she's making 40 million dollars it's protecting her it's working right like that's the insane approach to this because that logic would imply that the only way to get out of the conservatorship is to fail at life and have a miserable breakdown. Yeah. So if they if they let her if they cut her off and make her free, the conservatorship, her dad and, and those lawyers are arguing that she will suffer. She will no longer be a success. She won't be able to perform. Right. And, and it's really in her best interest. And it's just crazy. Yeah, like it's a paradox. And you can't it's, get out. If you live well, then it's because of the conservatorship. Yes. And if you fail at life, you need the conservatorship. Even. Yeah. There's no way out. Of it. And I think it's scary because then that can happen to anyone. I mean, like, I mean, it only happened because of her breakdown that this happened in the first place, and that was how she was able to get custody. She signed her rights away because she wanted to be around her children, and 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 it seems like you know maybe she'll never get out of it. It's just it's. Yeah, it's wild. I will say this is one to keep an eye on, though, because sadly, like w once these things get some sort of a media firestorm or a social media firestorm, action is taken. And I believe I'll have to look it up. But as of the recording of this, I think there was some more legal action that was yeah. taking place. I don't, just don't know exactly it, what. It's getting better for her. It's looking like. But I think there's going to be a big decision next month. Jeez. The person who was... Um, I was going to represent her and the, the whole conflict of interest on who picks her legal representation is a whole nother it's, it's absurd but, but that guy's sitting there and he's like one of the most composed people i've ever seen he's like doing his best to articulately say this is a very fucked up situation yeah. Dude, like the fact that she didn't even know like she might for the documentary like she might not even know knew what was happening and they okay. reached out to her and they wouldn't like that's like that's a prison man that's yeah it's it's pretty sad um, you know, always love Britney, like love that kind of music, love poppy stuff, music oh, yeah. in the 90s, early 2000s. But eh, you just don't want to see that happen to any human being, no matter who they are. Uh, last thing before we move on. Do you think that her Instagram videos are like decoded or coded messages for help? Or is that people just like, <laughs> we're, we're looking way too much into this? I, I don't know if Britney has the mental capability to do that. <laughs> like, so A simple no would have sufficed. Yeah, I, I just, I think she's just probably like to her using Instagram is her a little bit of freedom, you know? Yeah. Yeah, some of the stuff they're looking at is like a big time stretch. I'm like, what? <laughs> and that's not an insult to Britney. Who is sitting there like, okay, I'm going to come up with all these codes. Like, that's... I think that's just over some. You know. There's actually like a bunch of people out there that have those for different celebrities. Like there was one where they said Howie Mandel was being like held captive. Oh yeah, remember Richard Simmons? Remember that one? Vaguely. There was like he was being held hostage by his like housekeeper or something. I don't. Yeah. No, <laughs> <laughs> I don't mean to laugh. It's just on, on its surface sounds it's just so weird. Yeah. Yeah. I was strong as his housekeeper. <clears throat> <laughs> All right. Um. Another thing I watched for Valentine's Day was To All the Boys, Always and Forever on Netflix. I'm sure you've heard of this, the, the Netflix trilogy of uh, To All the Boys movies. There's To All the Boys, uh, P.S. I Love You, To All the Boys. I can't remember. The, there's three of them. Based on a book series, Lana Condor and Noah Centino are in it. And normally I shit on Netflix's original movies because the vast majority of them are just trash kind of produced in mass quantities to fill a content quota but there's something redeeming about these movies that i like 
And I wouldn't even say they're romantic comedies because there's really like no attempt at humor in them. I will say it is kind of impressive that they were able to make three movies about one couple in high school and keep it interesting. And at, at no point is there like any cheating or like any like they don't go for like the cheap way out, I would say. I'd have to check it out. Yeah. Did you did you cry a little? You can you can it's a safe place. I didn't cry. It wasn't crying. That's not what I would call it. Uh, but again, with all movies, just go into this knowing what it is. Like it's not gonna be and when I tell you the movie I watch next, it's not gonna be that movie. It's not a great film. But they're fun and uh they're harmless watches with your significant other. What do you got, Ronnie? Um, I don't know if you guys have already talked about this on the pod, but I watched The Little Things on yes. HBO. Um, I'll, if you guys have already talked about it, I'll just say something quick about it. Very overrated. I was a little disappointed with it. <laughs> right? Um, I, I mean, maybe it's just because of the cast I was expecting more. Um, it, it, the, it, it was, like, fine when I was watching it. Like, I was entertained the whole time. But, like, it was one of those movies that the second you really started to think about it makes no sense. Uh, <laughs> And it, first of all, the continuity in time, like it's a movie made in the like, set in the early 90s. But then I'm pretty sure they forgot that it was set in the 90s because they were modern everything. Right. <laughs> and I'm like, what? And I read online that the show was being the movie was originally going to be released in the 90s and it got put on hold. And it just seemed like someone didn't convey that to the director. Um, and it, it was like I said, if you go in maybe with lower expectations, you could enjoy it a little more. Um, but there were so many things the characters did that I thought were so dumb and make no sense. Um, the whole time I'm watching it, I'm like, why isn't this better? Yes. And it, it should be better. They, also, it just, I, I thought Remy Malik was horrible in it. it. It seemed like he didn't want to be there. Um, it, it it's just I don't know. It just seemed like there was something missing from the entire thing. He was definitely the weakest of the three. Which I mean, the th- the few things I've seen in him, he's been a great actor. So I'm like, is he a yeah. good actor? Now I'm confused. I will say it's already nominated for a 2021 Brosker in the category. Just because I'm looking at the sheet, the 2 a.m. drunk text asking you up for a movie that's very <laughs> desperate for Oscar recognition. Yeah, yeah. They I think they just went on that because of the cast. And Jared Leto, just too much Jared Letoing in it. Like his characters walk. I'm like, dude, can we just not do this one time? Yeah, like, the movie great... tried too hard. He just has to add so much stupid extra shit to his performances. Yeah, and yeah, it, and like Remy Malek's character, like him, do, like getting in the car with Jared Leto's character at the end. Yeah, a lot like, of dumb character choices. Like, don't you wouldn't do that. That's and not a thing. Of course, he waits till the one time when Denzel goes to get coffee and like a 12-hour stakeout. Yeah. And why wouldn't they fucking go break into his house when he's at the strip club for 12 hours? <laughs> That's just disrespectful. And why wouldn't they, like, why Why didn't Randy Malik meet Jared Leto at the cafe? Also, creepiest thing Jared Leto's character did the whole movie was go to the strip club and just order a ginger ale to go. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm not going to stay long. The bartender's like, this is a fucking bar. I don't have to-go cups for you. Dude, yeah. Like I said, movie, when you're watching it, you're not really thinking about it. You're just trying to enjoy the movie. And then afterwards, you like sit and you're like, that was dumb. So, yeah. disappointed by that one. But if you lower your expectations. Like, despite all that, I mean, Denzel's still Denzel in it. He's he's great, I thought. Yeah. I, I, I will say this. It, you forget that he's aging. 
I was like, man, Denzel got old, and I didn't realize he's like 66. I was like, fuck, you're just so used to Denzel being Denzel, yeah. you know? I'm like, when did he get old? Well, fortunately, now we have his son, so it's like we'll always have a Washington. That's right. Represents. <laughs> I um, watched actually for the first time The Shining. Now I text you this, and mm-hmm. you were understandably shocked I hadn't seen it before. I'm going back through some of the classics as we put together our Bro Four Squad each member's top 100 movies for our five year anniversary this September. And I'd read the book The Shining, and I loved the book. And the movie is very well made i'll say kubrick is a genius but i don't i don't really like what he does with sound in this there's a lot of like loud ambiance and like the score i really didn't like um but just watching jack nicholson in this role is like it's a feast for thine eyes really i do think though that the movie the the book does a really good job of building this tension and fear through his past alcoholism and the movie just sort of throws him right into like these uh, imaginative or like imaginary scenarios that he's in, and he like all of a sudden turns psycho. So there's not the slow build, mm. but once they light the match, the whole thing fucking blows up in a pretty epic way. Another problem, though, and this is my own fault in the internet's, but the last shot of the movie has become like an <laughs> internet, so especially really, for the last week. <laughs> exactly. So it kind of loses like all of its punch and effectiveness because it does not elicit the emotion it's supposed to and it's not the movie's fault it's twitter's fault <laughs> someone left the air condition running out here yeah exactly <laughs> i shouldn't be laughing at this but i am i'm like oh, maybe i'm fucked up i don't know yeah all right what else you got um okay i watched <laughs> binge watched the hotel cecil on netflix um it's four episode true crime it's about a uh, like 20 year old a girl from canada who comes out of California and wants to just kind of go on a road trip. And she stops in LA by herself. By herself. Yeah. And, um, and she stops in LA. She gets this hotel, a cheap hotel in downtown LA called hotel Cecil. Um, and then she goes missing and they don't find her for a few months. Um, and it's essentially, it became a big, one of those massive internet stories where people were trying to fill this mystery. There's a creepy video of her, on the on the security camera at the hotel and she's behaving really erratically she's in the elevator freaking out it looks like she's hiding from someone she keeps peering on the other side of the elevator but you don't see anyone else the elevator is not working um and then that's the last you ever see of her um and she walk out of the elevator yeah she walks out of the elevator and you never see her again and she's declared missing and um and basically the the documentary takes a two approaches it's like focusing on what happened to her um actually three on her the other portion is the hotel itself the hotel cecil is was a hotel in downtown la um like built in the 20s like right before the depression and and so it's had like there were a lot of suicides there and once the depression happened it was a lot of like homeless housing it's right next to skid row now current day and so the hotel has this like haunted past of so many murders rapes um suicides and so there's another approach to the documentary, like, is this hotel haunted kind of thing? And then there's the third approach and final approach, which is like looking at the Internet and what people online are doing as Internet sleuths and the trouble it can get people into. And mm. so people are 
you know, thinking they're doing their own mystery solving. And they're like, they accuse people, real people of doing the murder. And it like hurts real people's like in life. And yeah. just irresponsibly um, based on something. They yeah. And so, and then it goes into all these conspiracies. It was this, it was that. Um, and then, you know, to the point to when you find out the real answer, it's almost not satisfying. These people don't want to believe it because it had to be this person. It had to be that. Um, it's, it's four episodes my my wife really didn't like it as much. I thought it was it's you know it's it's easy to binge. I thought it was interesting enough, um, it, you know. And it, there's some there's some ridiculous aspects to it. Like the real story is pretty disgusting. So um, it's it, it, if you it's one of those if you like true crime and you have nothing to do, um, I'd recommend it. Well, I check both those boxes, and to know <laughs> that there's a conclusion to it for true crime, like when you and I were watching Unsolved Mysteries, I. I remember as an idiot, I would be like, do you think they solved this? And you're like, <laughs> fucking name of the show is... Like, oh, okay. Solved Mysteries, that's my show. <laughs> but this one actually was solved. Wait, what? Uh, for, what are they, like 40 minute, 50 minutes? Yeah, like 40 to 50 minute, yeah. Okay. And it's a sad story, but like I said, it just kind of has, you know, you have her personal life, you have the hotel, and you have the internet. The problem with these internet slews and the Don't Fuck With Cats documentary... Yes, like that. We talked about, these people become more determined to prove their theory correct than actually finding justice yeah and when you present them the truth they 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 don't believe it they don't no, want the, to the truth is what they want it to be which yeah sadly like the internet has created a whole issue with that okay i'll definitely check that out uh you and i watched with matt geiger uh scream the original from what is it 96 92 yeah i think so 96 yeah uh in preparation for uh, yeah, 96, for the one coming out in 2022, in January. And we did a movie commentary on it, which will be dropping, I believe, in October. So a ways off, but uh, check that out if you want to hear our thoughts. Absolutely love Scream. And uh, I know you and I as big horror fans, still, not only does it hold up today, I think it almost gets stronger when you go back and rewatch it, yeah. right? So it's a love story to horror. And I think that and it, and it, it works in both ways. We talked about that extensively on the on the commentary, but that's what makes it so good. Yeah. I think we're going to try and do the second and are there four or there three. I think there are four total, but there are three on HBO right now. Okay. Well, we'll definitely do this, try to do the second and third one uh, and tie them into the lead up to the new one, which I'm very excited about. It's like a soft reboot with some of the cast returning and the guy who wrote um, James Vanderbilt. What did he write? Great podcasting here. As I look this up, the writer of the new scream wrote, I don't know. Zodiac. There we go. <laughs> Zodiac. Wrote, that's so. right. Yeah, Zodiac. Yeah. Which I, I think I mentioned on the comedy on the commentary. I'm like, I don't know how I feel about Zodiac. I don't, I don't think anyone knows how I feel about I Zodiac. think I like it. I don't know. But the second I think I like it, I'm like, no, I don't. And then I say, I'm like, no, but I did like it. Yeah. Last <laughs> thing I watched, and then obviously anything else you had, was a movie called A Long Way Down from 2014, starring Imogen Poots. I thought her name was Potts until today. <laughs> Imogen Poots, Pierce Brosnan, Tony Collette, kind of right before the Collettesance with like Hereditary and then all the other movies that came out, and uh, Aaron Paul from Breaking Bad. And it's a, I guess you could say a dramedy, but maybe less on the comedy side. It's about four strangers who meet on a rooftop in London on New Year's Eve uh, because they all have independent plans of actually committing suicide. But as they meet on the roof, they sort of collectively talk themselves out of doing it and make a pact to try and at least not kill themselves until the next major holiday, which is Valentine's Day. 
And then the movie kind of follows them and their relationship for the next few months. And I gave this movie five stars. I can already tell you it's probably going to be wow. 100 of all time. Wow. I mean, okay, I have to check this out. Just everything about it worked. And uh, he is one of my favorite James Bonds just for Goldeneye. But I think this is Pierce Brosnan's best role of his career, really. Interesting. He plays a disgraced TV talk show host who had an affair with a girl who was 17 and he didn't know she was underage. And so his whole life has kind of sucked since then, and that's his reason for wanting to Damn. kill himself. Yeah, we're going to have to check that out. You sold me. Yep, a long way down. It's it's almost too short, though. It's like an hour 25 minutes. I don't so it should be called like a short way down. Uh, <sighs> why? All right, that's all I got. you have anything else? Had to. Um, I was going to make a little plug for The Muppet Show, the original Muppet Show. I started okay. watching that because they just got added to Disney Plus uh, like a couple days ago. Which is, you know, I, you and I love the Muppets. We talked a little about the Jason Siegel earlier, re, restarting it a few years ago. But um, I just watched the first three episodes. I mean, it started in 1976, which Jesus. is wild. And um, how long you know, like, on? I think for six years, yeah, to 81. And they, I mean, they have a Star Wars episode. They have Mark Hamill. They have you know Steve Martin. Like, Icon Julie Cindy Andrews Crawford was on. And and it's just like. Yeah, and it, so I want to just say this. Like, I I really hope that Disney sees that people are watching it because I want the Muppets in its current form to come back and do a clip, like a skit show. I think if they did a 30-minute, like, once a week or, you know, it would be so good because that's when the Muppets were the best is when they were literally an SNL just with yep. the Muppets and Pigs in Space and shit like that. Like, that, th- th- it is so good. So I'm, I'm really excited they did this. A lot of people have been nervous since Disney bought the Muppets. Like, what are they doing with it? Um, so hopefully, uh, you know, go watch the Muppets if you never got into them because their humor, it's kind of like we talked about, like this dry British type, you know, like it's not for everybody, but if it's for you, you will just love it. Um, so yeah, go watch the Muppet show on Disney. It's time to start the music. It's time to light the lights. <sighs> Ronnie. God, you get me. <laughs> I'm going to check that. I didn't know it was already up. Uh, yeah, I got so excited. I'm kind of wondering what took him so long to put it up there. I don't really don't yeah. know like how licensing works with some, like maybe some of this stuff was owned by someone else. After it just the- seems like Disney's just sitting on their hands with Muppets. Like they bought it and then they're like, well, what do we do with it? Yeah. But there's at least an audience of two. Yeah. <laughs> and Jason Siegel, three. Yeah. <laughs> All right, that brings us to the last part of our show. And since Banner's not here to announce the segment with his high-pitched bird noise i'll just do it in my normal voice and it's our do you even lift bruh segment where we ask a question that we leave you with to end the episode and today's question ronnie it's no secret that video game movies have historically sucked hardcore this past week the mortal Kombat trailer dropped for justin lynn's reboot he of course did season two of true detective and in my opinion the only good fast and furious is uh, and we have to ask, does this trailer give you any hope, or is the video game genre forever doomed to be full of letdowns and horrific installments? Now, Mortal Kombat, again, the game, I, don't, I still don't know how you make a fucking movie out of it. Uh, <laughs> but this trailer looks like it's poking fun at itself a little bit. It doesn't think it's going to be good in the way that the original one did from the 90s. But it also is taking a hard R approach, and they're not pulling punches, pun intended, yeah. with the special effects. So what are your thoughts on the Mortal Kombat? I, I really like the trailer. I mean, it's it's easy to get sold on a trailer and, and disappointed from a movie because trailers, you can just make any movie look good if you edit it right. Um, I do like, it seems like there's a little bit more of a serious approach 
um, a little, I mean, Mortal Kombat's already dark, but like just it, the story seems like it has a darker approach. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm, I'm going to give it a shot. I mean, I'm already an HBO subscriber, so I'm not going to like not watch it. Right. So <laughs> we get, we're going to get it for free. If you, if you uh, have access to the streaming, um, I'm excited about it. My, my wife and I have a rule. Um, we have Mortal Kombat on the Xbox, and if we're having one of those like stupid fights that has no end in sight because you know neither of us are going to admit we're wrong, one of the one of us can declare Mortal Kombat, to which we will play Mortal Kombat, <laughs> and the winner of the the fight uh, will win the actual fight, and the other person can't say anything about it anymore. So uh, I do always love Mortal That's Kombat. Awesome. And I love the trailer because you get the fatality. Like, they literally are doing the graphic, yeah. like, fatality and, and shit like that. So, it, yes, it makes fun of itself. It, it, but it looks like they're coming at it with, from a serious approach. So, I'm intrigued. What do you think? Yeah, I didn't... One thing about the trailer that I liked was... I think the issue with the one in the 90s, even at the time, like, Goro and some of the special effects just looked so bad that even if there was a moment of it that was kind of cool, it, you were just, like, laughing at the movie unintentionally. And here... That scene alone where Sub-Zero makes the sword out of ice is pretty fucking sick. Dude, the blood, though. That was... Yes. When he throws I mean, the blood and gets the sword of... Oh, that yeah. was cool. And I can't remember who it is. It's, it's one of the Australian guys who has... Maybe it's Kano who has the dude's heart in his hands. And it looks like they're kind of going with... I haven't played a lot of the games in, like, the last 10 years, like, to, to know some of the new characters, but it looks like Jax is a bigger part of this one who was only in the second one originally, movie. Um, and I didn't see Johnny Cage, but I could be wrong. He's in this. I don't think he was in the trailer though. I know Sonya Blade and Luke Kane were. Yeah. I'm I'm gonna I mean, like you said, I'm gonna give it a shot. What do I have to lose? And we've talked about this a lot on the pod. To be declared the best video game movie of all time, you don't even have to be that good. No. <laughs> like you could be like a B minus or a C plus. Because I actually think Sonic the Hedgehog from last year might be the best one I've ever seen. We need to do a commentary on the original Mario Brothers movie and just get weird. Wow, that would <laughs> that be... Movie what is... a weird fucking experience. <laughs> That's that what I'm was. saying. That was That is out there. Like, how was that anyone's interpretation of that property? It makes no sense. The Goombas alone, remember, they look like fucking DJ Mbenga from the Lakers. They just <laughs> the movie looked... scared me as a kid because it was so fucking weird. I was and like, what is happening? They destroyed Yoshi. They bastardized him, which must piss you off. Oh, absolutely. All right, We're well, talking Mortal about Com- Yoshi, Mario, Mario Golf, though. <laughs> oh, yeah, June, baby. That's the movie I want, Mario Golf. <laughs> <laughs> the movie I want just watching myself play Mario Golf for hours. <laughs> Uh, I believe Mortal Kombat drops in March, meaning on HBO Max we're getting that and Godzilla vs. Kong. So, I mean, I have already orgasmed just thinking <laughs> about that. That alone is worth the subscription price for me for pretty much the whole year. Um, all right, Cycle, anything you want to leave the people with for episode 143 before we go? Just, uh, you know, hug your hug your moms. Is that going to be your thing now? Banner has yeah. Uh, <laughs> no. for emergency vehicles. Geiger has freeze your eggs, and Cycle says hug, hug, your hug your mom. Give her a call, guys. Come on. When was the last time you called your mom? Go call your mom. Yeah, I guess it can't hurt. That's good advice. Well, I can't top that. So, on that note, that is our legal counsel, Ronnie Cycle, and I'm the mayor, Jeff Hornacek, and we are the Bro Four Squad Podcast. Thank you guys so much for checking us out. Follow us on Twitter at Bro Four Squad. You can find us on Letterboxd, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and YouTube. Type in Bro Force Squad as three separate words. Check out everything on our website, broforcesquad.com. Till next time, we need to go find that yellow umbrella. 
spoilers. <laughs> I was going to say.